That was like almost 50 minutes ago now that we were talking about that part. What part? <laughs> the part. Uh, That's helpful. I'm very helpful. Let me rock with you, animal. I'm kind of good with that type of stuff. If I'm bad, you can blow me up. Send me out to oblivion. Alright guys, welcome to Monster to Monster, where we take a deeper look at pop culture monsters. My name's Katie. And I'm Zach. And today we're going to be talking about the Disney series Gargoyles. Zach, do you even remember Gargoyles? It was pretty... it ended when you were pretty young. I was five. I'm so sad for you. Eh, that's alright. Um, they had that really cool intro... Uh, and, you know, it was, had some medieval aspects, so I'm always about that fantasy life. Um, and then they turned to stone during the day, and they would pop out of their stone casing and go around the city and fight crime and kick butt, and they were pretty cool. You pretty much have the gist of the three seasons right there. Yeah. They're so. just, you know, butt-kicking bat people. Butt-kicking bat people. That's the name of my new rock band. Yeah. The show itself only aired for three seasons. It aired in 94, and it ended in 97. About ten years later, there was a comic book run that went from 2006 to 2009. Ooh, comic books. I know. Unfortunately, I did not get the comic books. I do have the season one box set of Gargoyles, though, which is amazing, and I can't wait till Liam's old enough to watch it with us. It'll be great. It'll be so good. Is it? Never mind. Is it what? Is it on streaming service? Even if it is, I would probably still track down season two and season three yeah of the box set it's always safer to have a physical copy it is because what if one day they take it off streaming they might it's very sad it's happened it has happened either way we're not going to talk about the comic books today the comic books were a rewrite of season three and it doesn't really add much to what we're going to talk about today but if you have read them feel free to post about it in the comic comments not the comic the show itself follows a clan that's been sleeping for a thousand years the clan consists of six main gargoyles. Goliath, Hudson, Brooklyn, Broadway, Lexington, and Bronx. Originally, the only one that had a name was Goliath. Really? Yes, yeah, so they all chose names when they got to New York. Oh, that's interesting. Otherwise, everyone just knew each other as friend. And what did, what did they look like? They all were very different, actually, which is one of the cool things about the show, that each gargoyle had its own distinctive features. No one looked the same, which is what we still kind of see in the statues themselves. No one gargoyle looks exactly like another. Yeah. But they all shared the same kind of monster, quote-unquote, qualities. Mm -hmm. They all had wings of some kind, mm -hmm. they all had talons instead of fingers, and they all had digitigrade walking. I'm sorry, digital what? Digitigrade, you know, like a like a werewolf. A were okay. So, a... So like bipedal dog creature. Yeah. Yeah, so the knee backwards, the feet facing forwards, walking on their toes. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that there is such a thing as a bipedal dog, but... Why you gotta tear down my dreams? I don't know. So rude. The first episode of the show follows the clan in 994 in the Castle Wyvern in Scotland. Scotland? That's, uh, you know, my favorite parts of the show. So when they do the flashbacks, you got the swords and all the... Oh, we're gonna go kill the guys, and then the gargoyles are gonna help us. I like that accent. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. It's really good. Thank you. They are put under a spell to sleep for a thousand years, as we mentioned already once. I could go for a 
a good thousand years sleep. That sounds a little bit like a coma more than a thousand years sleep. Fair enough. Enter the year 1994. The future. The future is now. <laughs> and an eccentric billionaire buys the castle in its entirety and transports it to his house in New York City, which is on top of a skyscraper. And doesn't he... It's not like he ships it stone by stone. Doesn't he just get helicopters and ship it across the ocean, I think? Yeah, they don't show him actually moving oh. the castle itself. But they do show but it, like, setting it on the, the skyscraper, they don't they? Show, they show the gargoyles being packed into boxes and then helicoptered uh, okay. out. He does know about the legend, though. He knows that something should happen if the castle rises above the clouds. Gotcha. So he puts the castle on this big skyscraper. He's apparently going to live in a castle on top of a skyscraper because that's something 90s billionaires do. I mean, if I had that kind of money, I would do it, too. He does do good because the castle is now above the clouds. The sun sets. And it breaks the curse. So the gargoyles are now awake. But now they're in New York City. New York City. And they have no idea what they're doing. They join forces with a detective, Elisa Maza. And with her help, they take up the traditional gargoyle mantle as protectors. Protectors of the night. We are warriors of the night. We are gargoyles. Is that what they say? Yes, and it's so good. It gives me chills every time. It's so good. (laughs) I just love the intro. Sorry. So in season two, we see that there's multiple clans around the world. It's not just the Manhattan clan. We see a London clan, a clan in Japan, the Guatemala clan, and the clan on the mystical island of Avalon. Like King Arthur Avalon? Yeah. Titania and Oberon, all the kind of fairy mystical things. I don't know those people. It's very Shakespeare. You should look it up. Oh, Shakespeare. <sighs> Snorefest. Just kidding. I love Shakespeare. Either way, all of the gargoyles are still alive and still keeping a watchful eye over their domains, Mm -hmm. trying to keep evil at bay, which is what gargoyles were originally created to do. That being said, let's go into the historical accuracy of the gargoyles themselves in this show. Why don't you lay some history down on me, Katie? Ooh, baby. The word gargoyle itself comes from the old French word gargouille for throat and the Latin gorgilio for gullet. And that comes from the long neck that transports water away from the building, often coming out of the mouth of the carved creature. The water? What do you you mean? So, in architecture, a gargoyle is a carved chimera, or a mythical figure of some kind. Okay. Chimera are often referred to as gargoyles, but that's not entirely correct. A gargoyle is specifically a carved figure that is designed to move water away from the side of a building to prevent the rainwater from eroding the mortar. Wait. So you're telling me that what I would assume is a gargoyle, which is just a figure on like a church or on the outside of a building with a scary little gaze, that is not a gargoyle. No. So a gargoyle is just a pretty rain gutter. A pretty stone rain gutter. I mean, anything made out of stone, I'm in. Right. But a chimera and a gargoyle are often confused because they're both amalgamations of mystical figures. They're both designed to look very fearsome. They're both designed to look like unearthly creations. Do carved chimeras have the same purpose? Like the same, you know, repelling the evil? Yes. Okay. They're both supposed to kind of ward off evil from whatever building they're sitting on top of. Gotcha. But a gargoyle is the only one that's designed to move the water away from the building to technically preserve the building from being washed away. All right. So it serves a double purpose. A chimera is there to look pretty and make you feel safe. A gargoyle is there to look pretty, make you feel safe, and also keep your building from collapsing in on itself. Gotcha. 
And so where would we have uh, found some of these earliest examples? The oldest gargoyle known is approximately 13,000 years old and was discovered in modern-day Turkey. But the ones from that era were not based on mythical creatures. They were native animals. Hmm. So the one in Turkey is actually a stone crocodile. Ooh, that sounds cool. In Egypt, Rome, and Greek, there were often lions that lined the temple. And they also acted as gargoyles. They were rain spouts to keep the rain from washing away the building. The Temple of Zeus originally had 102 marble gargoyles just for that. Now there's only 39 after erosion and the weight of the marble collapsing in on itself. Mm -hmm. Marble's heavy. Marble is very heavy. Once we move into the 12th century, gargoyles take on a different meaning. They stop being based on native animals and start being turned into mythical creatures like dragons. And that reinforces this idea of destructiveness and reminds these masses of people that they need the protection that the church can provide. So look at all these terrible, scary things that you don't even know about. Mm -hmm. Come to church and we will tell you about them and we will tell you how to protect yourself and the church is safe from them because we have our own. Mm. Gotcha. The earliest medieval gargoyle that we see was carved around 1200 to 1220 and it's also in turkey it's on the leon cathedral nice so anyone in turkey wants to take a picture of that and shoot it my way i would love that yeah there's a few ideas of where gargoyles got their origins from there's like the pre-gargoyle gargoyle yeah okay one of them is the celtic origin which suggests that Celtic hunters believed that the head of their prey was infused with magical abilities that could either attract luck or repel evil. Mm -hmm. So the Celts would harness that power by mounting their kill's decapitated head on a stake and positioning it in a circle around their home. Very Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, Vlad the Impaler. Very don't step on my lawn, crazy kid. I got a wolf head. Yeah, but this way they're, they're like harnessing the power, though. They're not... It's not, it's not more of a warning. It's more of a, the creature is now becoming part of their home defense. I didn't think of it that way. That's a cool idea. Eventually, the practice evolved into not staking the head, but hanging it like a trophy directly on the exterior walls of important village buildings. Okay. So, we kind of get that idea from, you know, the gargoyles that we see. They're on the outside of the building looking out. Yeah. And probably because there was so much rain, it was probably easier than keeping stakes up in their lawn all day <laughs> to just straight up mount it to the stone wall. Yeah. The other legend that we have is a French legend of St. Romanus, who was the Bishop of Rowan between 631 and 641. Tell me about the French legend. That was a really horrible French accent. You did so well with the Scottish one earlier. I practiced the Scottish more. That checks out. So a dragon known as La Gorgil lived in a cave near the River Seine and was described as having a long neck, a slender snout, heavy brows, and membranous wings, like that of a bat. Sounds like a gargoyle. Right? Sounds very gargoyly. Especially his name. It was notorious for swallowing ships whole, breathing fire, and spouting enough water from its mouth to cause a flood. Every year, the nearby town of Rowan would try to appease the dragon by offering it a sacrifice. The cool thing was, they weren't sacrificing virgin maidens. They were sacrificing criminals from their jail. It's very capital punishment that way. You know, you stole a loaf of bread, you get fed to a dragon. Yeah. Seems a, a little good, harsh. Good way to deter criminal activity. So that checks out. In the early 600s, Romanus came to the town and promised to deal with the dragon if the townspeople would build a church and join his congregation. So after the church was completed, he set out with the annual sacrifice and his exorcism kit. A bell, a book, a cross, and a candle. It's all he took. He was very sure of himself. 
I would have taken a couple hundred cannons. I don't... They, there were no cannons then. Catapults? How about some pikemen? I don't know that pikemen would follow you to get a dragon. I, was, I don't know. I don't know. I take, I take a small army with me. Yeah, take some people with you. You'd think. Not just a criminal. Candle. It'll do some good. Against light in the cave. Against a fire-breathing dragon? I think that fire will light up the cave before it kills me. Maybe. St. Romanus, you're a much braver soul than I. Once they get to the cave, Romanus subdues the dragon with the sign of the cross and makes a leash out of his stole, hmm. which is just that little scarfy mantle over the priest robes. So he just wraps it around his neck after he subdues him and walks him back to the town. Once they get to the town, the townspeople burn it. You burn a dragon? Yes. Does that work? It worked for the most part. Most of the body was burnt away. But because he breathed fire, the long neck and the head remained. So after the ashes of the rest of the body cool, they take the neck and the head and they mount it to the church wall as the first gargoyle in France. There you go. Kind of a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And it wraps it all up really nicely into a nice little bucket. I think that's all the time we have for tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Zach. Are you? I don't know. We kind of just launched into it and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Alright guys, so thanks for listening in. That's uh, all we've got on Gargoyles for today. Later, nerds. Later. Monster to Monster is written by Caitlin and David Davidson, produced by the D-Law Network. Songs and background music are by Digital Lizards of Doom. All creatures are copyright to their respective owners. If there are any monsters you want to hear us talk about, or you just want to keep up with our goofiness, please follow us on Twitter at M2MThePodcast. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Spotify or wherever you find your daily dose of podcasty goodness.